Hello there. This is Sudeshna from Design Studio and I'm back with the second part of our article on web accessible designs. So, in my last post I had laid out two suggestions. Now, three actually since the color contrast one was a bonus tip. So, there were three suggestions for designing web accessible designs. Here I am going to continue and conclude the chapter by chalking out three more ideas on the topic. Quickly summarizing, I had previously discussed on how we can make good use of typography, color contrast and images to provide better user experience for people with visibility issues or cognitive difficulties, color blindness and with educational barrier. Well, unlike the last article, I'm not doing a proper recap here because this would otherwise be a long recap. So let's resume the discussion from topic number three, white space and the size of elements used. Now the importance of white space has always been emphasized by UI gurus. White space or negative space refers to the empty space between and around elements of a design or page layout. It is the space between paragraphs, images, icons, buttons and any other items on a page. But why is white space so important? The function of white space is to remove clutter and make the elements stand out. This aids in better visibility and comprehension. So who does it help? Everyone. But it especially helps people with visibility issues people with cognitive disorders and people with problems of the nerve who find it difficult to keep their fingers steady. Now, let me bring in a personal experience here. I know an individual who has been facing problems of the nerve for so many years now that he has become almost habituated with it. He is a tough guy by heart and insists on doing all tasks by himself. Now, it's pathetic enough to see him spill two-thirds of soup from his spoon every time the spoon tries to cover the distance between the ball and his mouth. I guess I need not discuss the scenario when an application with a really, really crowded interface finds its way into his hands. Now, making proper use of white space will also help mobile users like many of my own acquaintances who have chubby fingers. Yes, chubby fingers, I'm sure many of us know such people and always complain about accidentally tapping on elements they never intended to. Let me cite a very simple example from an article on Medium. Now here is a screenshot of the same article published on its own blog and on Medium. If we see the screenshot, without doubt the piece on the right hand side, that is the one on Medium, is much more relaxing on the eyes and hence on the brain. Now, this might also help people like me who feel sick when viewing digital content during commute. So that's all about white space and the size of elements. Now we move on to the next suggestion which is navigation. Let me hear what you have to say regarding the menus on these two screens. One is from GoCactus who has a really really cute little hamburger menu on the top and the other is from Clark Creative who has laid out the page names in an open navigation on the top of their homepage. So which one of these has a better menu? You can let me know your opinion by participating in the poll here. Now when I asked this question to the audience at WordCamp, there was an almost unanimous shout, Cactus. Once they were quieted down, I heard another weaker shout, Clark Creative. 
To be honest, the designer in me who is passionate about making things look pretty simply loves the little red hamburger menu on cactus. It's neat and cute, gives the screen a lot of room to play around with things and has a mystical aura about it as it makes one wonder what treasures are going to be revealed once he or she clicks on it. But the grown-up designer in me, the one who prefers making things more usable over making them simply pretty, promptly chooses the menu on Clark Creative. Allow this grown-up designer to explain why. A hidden or complex navigation may be fascinating for those who love minimal designs or have enough time to leisurely browse through the website. But for many people, it is a gateway to exit your site. With intuitive UI on the rise, most people tend to forget that not everyone is as deft at understanding UI as the designer. Now, let us consider the famous hamburger menu. We love the hamburger menu, don't we? They look cool, have been quite popular and most importantly, they help us design good-looking designs. But are all good-looking designs really good? Like everything else, the hamburger menu comes with its own sets of pros and cons. We love the pros and choose to forget the cons. Now what are these pros and cons? The pros, it makes the interface clean, it's well known and hence easy to use. It accommodates long navigation very neatly. And the cons? It hides important features. It can be confusing for new users and it's difficult to access using one hand. Now, for people with less digital experience like say older people or for people with difficulties in gestures or in vision, it might be a big problem. Coming to another point. We all know the rule of thumb for designing mobile interfaces, right? There's a comfort zone for the thumb on mobile devices which we all know, even from practical use. While browsing on a mobile device, the finger that is most frequently used is the thumb. So the most important elements are placed where the thumb can comfortably reach. But the hamburger menu is always out of reach, isn't it? Not sure about an alternative to this delicious menu on mobile UI since the space is very limited but it would be great to have one. Looking for your suggestions here? Let me know in the comments. Anyway, we can find however an alternative to it on websites. If the navigation is quite large, the recommended structure would be to list the main pages in an open navigation and then contain the next set of page navigations in a closed menu. The remaining less important page navigations can be included in a footer. Our old friend drop-downs and mega menus can come really handy here. This another point that I would like to focus on is the importance of laying out of text. Now to provide the optimum experience to users, it's best to maintain a structure so that the most important information is presented first. Show the most important information on the top so users won't have to scroll unnecessarily. For people who have difficulty focusing for long or for those with minor visual problems, it would be a painful task to scroll past redundant text and images to reach the CTA or the form or any other primary piece of information to be conveyed. Of course, I would want my site visitor to see all the effort I have put in, but not at the cost of their discomfort. 
So that's where we conclude our discussion on navigation and on the structure of information laid out and we move on to the next and the final suggestion animations or motion design. Now the popularity of motion design is on the rise, isn't it? And why not? They look great and can convey information in an appealing and playful way. But did you know that they also have the capability of making people sick? A distant relative of animation, GIF or GIF, can be very harmful if used inappropriately. GIFs that are too brightly colored and flash pretty fast multiple times are known to cause seizures in people with photosensitive epilepsy. It might be shocking to know that back in 1997, an episode of Pokemon sent 618 people, most of them children in Japan, into seizures. It featured flashing blue and red lights in one scene. Now, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines forbid the use of anything that flashes more than three times in one second. That was about GIFs. Let us take a look at another kind of animation that looks great but might be disturbing to some viewers. Here's a dribble shot by a popular designer. It's an animation that shows an astronaut going round and round and round, probably trying to reach somewhere in space. It looks cute, no doubt. It's beautifully done. Now, while this may not cause seizures, but looking at it for 4 to 5 seconds uh, might cause dizziness in some. Well, it certainly makes me dizzy. Anyway, it's best to avoid animations and chips that can cause harm to people. You never know who might be looking at your website. So here we conclude the journey. All these are basically small changes that we can bring into a design so that all people irrespective of abilities, disabilities, age, location or bandwidth can access what we built and put up online. If the design intentionally or accidentally leaves out a whole group of prospective users, then it cannot be termed as smart design. We got some ideas and suggestions? We would love to know. Or maybe there's something we have missed? Please feel free to leave in your comments and till then, take care, meet you soon.